while I'm not a lover of the cookie cutter approach, this is one situation where you can get that rinse and repeat process. So you get, get a formula that works and then you can just keep turning it over. You're listening to the She Renovates podcast. You're listening to She Renovates, the podcast for women who want to renovate to create an income and a life they love. At this time of year, Stephen and I always have a date to review our year. So we usually go somewhere nice with some delicious food and, I'm sorry to say, quite a bit of red wine. We celebrate the wins, but there's always an area of life that's a constant disappointment. And for me, it's always been my weight. However, I'm happy to say that this year, I'm celebrating serious results. Now, I know this seems like a departure from the topic of renovating, but trust me, all will become clear shortly. So hang in. So back to the story. What changed for me was that I gave up the story that I've tried everything, nothing works, and I can't possibly go and do another program. But guess what? That's what I did. And I discovered that when you find the way that's right for you, the unachievable suddenly becomes easy. Now, if your renovating and property dreams are your source of disappointment, Now's the time to nail that baby. If you would like some help, we are running a brand new one day training, the Game Changer Mastermind, to start the new decade powerfully. This is an entire day of learning what's working in today's market, of planning and strategizing for you to get results fast. It's for you if you're planning to replace your job with full-time renovating and property, if you're planning for a powerful downsizing, or you're planning to fund your retirement. On the day, you'll build out a complete execution plan to get going on delivering on the story that's been running in the back of your mind for what seems like forever. And then all they'll be left to do is set press go. We are looking for serious results from this day. So it is very personal. There are only 10 places at the table. And there are some prerequisites for registering. It's not for everyone. So if you'd like to know more, you can head over to our website. You'll find the link in the show notes and check out the details and find out if you qualify. The next thing I need to do is share with you what's been happening for me. And I'm going to make it uh, snappy because um, we've got a bit to get through today. So... We've successfully sold four properties in the last four weeks. Three of them are actually settling this week. So that's awesome. One of the things that Stephen and I like to do is to head off on a holiday after we've completed a project, sort of a celebration. And as it's been a pretty long year, we've decided to do something fairly epic. And so in two days' time, we're jumping on a plane and heading over to Prague. So we're planning to spend Christmas in the Black Forest with our eldest daughter and son-in-law. And we'll be staying in Airbnb, of course, in a beautiful thousand-year-old castle. And then just really spending a few weeks enjoying a white Christmas. So I've got a bit to do before we jump on that plane, so I better get into it. Okay, here's this week's episode. 
Well hello, it's Bernadette Jansen and today I'm here to talk about apartments, renovating apartments. I quite like renovating apartments but I have to let you know that they, there is an added level of complication, mainly because you don't own the walls in the apartment. So the line of ownership ends at the paint line. So if you want to do anything other than painting pretty much, then you need approval from the owners corporation to do that. Now adds time to the process and basically means you have less control over what you can do with the property. And so you'd have to ask, why would you bother? And I guess the main reason we do, particularly in Sydney and Melbourne, is because it's an opportunity to do a for-profit renovation at a lower price point. So in our area now, to renovate a house, you're well into the one to two million mark, yet you can still do a decent uh, apartment project for under a million dollars. We have done, oh, a couple of years ago, we did an apartment project for our charity and that was, it was $475,000, so it was quite low priced for Sydney. Uh, generally, I like to target around the eight to 900,000 mark because that's the point where you're sitting around the 100,000 profit. The other thing I like about apartment renovations is the actual renovations are less work. So uh, there's no external work. And while I'm not a lover of the cookie cutter approach, this is one situation where you can get that rinse and repeat process. So you get, get a formula that works and then you can just keep turning it over. I'll be having one of our students coming in shortly to tell you about their projects where that's exactly what they're doing and making fabulous profits each year. So of course if you need to get approval that can take some time and you need to manage the holding costs while that's happening. So if the um, property is already tenanted then you would leave the tenant in the property until you are ready to start the work. But if it's not you might want to look at short-term rental and many apartment buildings will not allow short-term rental so that becomes part of your due diligence process. Uh, if you're allowed to then as soon as the property settles we whack some furniture in it, get it listed and get that income coming in so we haven't got money pouring out the door while we're waiting for the owners corporation to make up their mind. If you're not allowed to put it on short-term rental, you're usually allowed to rent for uh, a minimum of three months. I've done that in some scenarios. And you can still find someone to pay you some income to live there, so all is not lost. Now, as far as getting approval through your owner's corporation, that can be a bit of an education process. So you, you will be required to put forward your renovation plan some owners corporations require everything. They want drawings, they want uh, the names and the details of the trades you're using, the quotes and their trade licenses and certificates of currency for their insurance. I have been required to put all that in on a few occasions in order to get approval. Generally, the strata managers and the owners corporations don't have a lot of idea of what's required so usually that means that you need to educate them. I had one property where the approval just was not happening and I hadn't been to the meeting so I decided to go to the meeting and find out what was going on and 
basically they couldn't read drawings. So they were looking at our drawings and were looking at the existing walls and thinking that they were part of our renovation. So I was able to clarify that no, that we weren't making any structural changes and then managed to get the um, renovation approved so we could get going. When you are planning your, your reno, there's a few things that you need to think about. So in an apartment, often the ceilings are a, a suspended floor slab. So they're the, the floor of the apartment above and they're your ceiling. So this means that all your lighting is uh, embedded in the ceiling. And so um, if you wanna move or install new lighting, it becomes a bit of an issue. So electricians don't like to chase the slab because they're worried about hitting services. Often the only way to change the lighting layout is to actually put a new gyprock ceiling in um, and pack it out so you've got some ceiling space for your lighting and your wiring, which is quite an expensive process. I have been able to get um, the electrician to move a light a small distance, you know, one side to the other and chase the concrete, but they don't love doing it. And to be honest with you, I don't, don't blame them. So the other thing is if you want to install a floating floor, you have to give some thought to the noise reduction or the soundproofing. So a lot of owners corporations ha specify their requirements. Some will um, specify the type of acoustic underlay that you use. Some will require that you provide the technical specifications of the underlay you're going to use for them to approve. And some will require that after you've installed the floor that you get it sound tested. And if it doesn't meet their requirements, it has to be removed which is a very expensive process. The sound testing itself costs about $2,000. So, you know, if you are planning to do a renovation in, your prop in a property that you're going to be buying, it's a good idea to have a look and see what policies they have or bylaws they have around renovating. The other limitation in terms of your reno plan is that the moving the plumbing can be problematic. So it's not like in a house where you just pull up the floor and run the plumbing along under the floor or, you know, chase the floor. Here, you're, you cannot go across the floor. And I guess we become quite uh, creative in how we solve these problems. I've never been in a position where I've not been able to move the plumbing to where I wanted it. But of course, our solutions have been quite creative at, at times. One thing that will happen in most cases when you put in an application to, oh, I'll step back a step. So a bathroom renovation is considered a major renovation in an apartment because of the waterproofing issue. When you first buy the property, if it has existing tiling in the bathrooms and the existing waterproof membrane, the responsibility for the waterproofing will be with the owner's corporation. However, if you submit a plan and a request to change the tiling in the bathroom, then in most cases, the owner's corporation will take the opportunity to hand the responsibility for that over to the owner of the property, in this case, you. Now, that will require that you have a bylaw prepared and registered at your expense, but that's not the biggest issue. The biggest issue is that, who, and not just for you, whoever owns that property then has the responsibility to make good if that waterproofing ever fails. So, you know, if it leaks into the floor below, then 
you get to pay for the repairs which can be quite costly something that we have adopted now is when we're doing apartments we actually double waterproof regardless of whether we're selling or not because I really don't want to sell a property to an owner and have them have to deal with that so we always double waterproof we have the waterproofing membrane under the floor screed or the topping in the wet areas and then we do a second one over the top just to make sure you know it's the belt and braces approach now just as regards to trades or contractors builders in particular some buildings will require that you use a builder from their preferred list of contractors now that's fine if you do that but please don't assume that because that person has been suggested to you by the building that negates the need for due diligence on that contractor you still need to do full due diligence i had a renovator who was in this exact situation and was required to use a builder from the preferred list so assumed that that builder had integrity and found out much later once they'd spent about two hundred thousand on renovations and and had all sorts of problems that the builder was only licensed to do $20,000 worth of work. So that placed them in a very bad situation and took a bit of um, resolving, but eventually did. So avoid all those issues and be thorough with your due diligence. The other thing is that strata approval does not replace building or council approvals. Often you'll need both. If you're, say, planning to open up a wall and you need to put a, a support beam in, you will need not only need an engineer's report, but you will need uh, some form of approval, usually a complying development done through a private certifier. has different names in other states, but um, similar situations apply. Interestingly, in the area that we renovate in, it has a, it's in a heritage conservation area. And when we install air conditioning, like split system air conditioners, the compressor sits on the balcony and the console is inside the property. And we're required to get development approval to put that compressor on the balcony because it's external in a heritage area so you need approval to do it so yes just make sure that you're aware of the proof the approvals that you require because often the owners corporation will not know what's required and it'll be up to you to make sure that everything is in place most buildings have designated hours of work and that's generally seven to five Monday to Friday so that means unlike in a house when you can probably hammer away until midnight and Saturdays and Sundays as well your working hours are limited even when you comply with those working hours you can also have issues with neighbors and the noise one of the other challenges with apartments is the neighbors are in very close proximity and their life is totally disrupted while your reno is going on. I know in one reno we had a tenant in the apartment below doing night shift and seriously he was like a bear with a sore head and unfortunately there wasn't a lot we could do about it although we did our best to keep the noise to a minimum but 
building relationships with your neighbours, communicating clearly. Maybe um, one of the things that we like to do is treat them to the first inspection of the property when it's finished and have, have some drinks and a thank you because they're the ones that get disrupted most by your reno. When you're planning, you want to check the dimensions of the lift that you can fit bulk materials like a sheet of gyprock, which is 2.4 metres long, or the Caesar stone. If not, it either has to be carried up the stairs or in some cases, particularly with beams and so on, they have to be craned in over the balcony. This will add substantial costs, so you really need to be prepared for it. If possible, it's a good idea to do a dilapidation report on your neighbour's property prior to starting so that you have a baseline to work from. Checking the neighbour's side of the walls that you're going to be working on so that if any damage does occur, then you're able to prove the condition of them before you start. It's also a good idea to assess the condition of the walls and the um, fixtures on the neighbour's side. I've had situations where their tiles were quite drummy and we were removing tiles on our side so we made, took the decision not to remove that walls tiles and just tiled straight over them because it was fairly certain that if we started hammering away trying to pull tiles off the tiles would fall off their walls and would have a real mess. Fortunately they were sound on our side because that's always something you need to check if you're planning to go over tiles but better to do that than the alternative. Often those walls are single skin brick, so there's, there's not a lot between them. I have had trades go through the neighbour's wall on several occasions. They've had gone through with a drill, or it baffles me how creative they can be in the strange things they do, but it's happened. Before you get started with your reno, it's likely that you'll be asked to pay a security deposit. This can be, you know, a couple of thousand dollars. And this is a security against damage to the building in the common areas. When you've got trades stomping through with their dirty boots down the carpeted hallways and moving materials inside, in and out, uh, there is a potential for quite an amount of damage. Certainly take all the measures you can to protect the common areas. I like to use the sticky drop sheet, which is just like clear contact. And you can stick it down on the carpeted areas and leave it there until the job's finished so you keep your carpet from getting damaged. Often we'll have to give the walls a paint job, certainly in the hallways outside the property after the project's finished in order to get our couple of thousand back from the owners corporation. The other thing is to watch the lifts. Damage to the lifts um, can be a very expensive exercise. A lot of lifts have curtains. You will have seen them when you've been in um, buildings that are under construction, which are great because you can just get them installed and the walls are protected. But if not, you really do need to micromanage your um, trades to make sure that those lift walls are not damaged. And lastly, rubbish removal. This too has its complications. Often you will not be able to um, put a skip anywhere. There, there may not be space for a skip or you, even if you can, you'll find that it gets filled up with um, everyone else's rubbish and not yours. So what I do is I actually stockpile the rubbish in an area somewhere, set an area aside for the rubbish and periodically have that cleared out. Our rubbish guy actually comes up with um, sulo bins fills them up, cleans up the, the room and then takes it away. Okay, so 
I think that's all I have to share with you today. I hope that this has enlightened you on the do's and don'ts of renovating apartments. If you're interested in learning more about it, there's another podcast called Your Strata Property by Amanda Farmer, which is a great source of information for um, strata properties, units and apartments. And I know that she's covered renos in several episodes as well. Okay, well, that's for me for today and we'll see you next week. And lastly, can I ask you to go over to iTunes and leave us a review if you haven't already done so to help us share the love. Okay, I'll see you next week. This is the She Renovates podcast. To discover how to harness the power of renovating, check out theschoolofrenovating.com.